wellness does not have anything to do with the numbers. It's more about the confidence, clarity, and stability that we feel with our money. The opposite of financial wellness is always being in a state of feeling scared or anxious or nervous or uncomfortable with our money. Um, So really, it's how we feel about ourselves and about the money that we have and our future goals. Hey, hurdlers, Emily Abadi here bringing you another installment of Hurdle Moment from Hurdle. This week, in honor of what should be the classic tax day on April 15th, which has now been moved to Monday, May 17th, I'm getting ahead of the game and bringing in some reinforcements. I am chatting with Kamiko Love, otherwise known as the Budget Mom. We are chatting all things financial wellness. Now, I know that money can feel a little bit taboo to talk about, but on today's episode, Love is talking us through the importance of our financial health and what that really means. Being that your debts are payable, you have emergency funds, retirement funds in the works, basically you can handle any financial crisis that may come your way. She talks us through her seven best practice tips for better financial wellness and gives so many great takeaways. Everything from the importance of knowing where you're at, being upfront and honest with yourself about the current state of your finances, to the importance of being prepared for emergencies and how we can better take care of our future selves, aka retirement. I'm telling you, this episode is chocked full of so many excellent takeaways. I'm so, so, so grateful to Miko. I love that nickname (laughs) for all of her insight and wisdom. I'm super amped because a week from today, we are gathering to talk about the art of gathering for book club. It's at 8 p.m. Eastern. Link to sign up for the book club is in the show notes, and there are a few days left for you to enter for your chance to win a month of Athletic Greens by clicking the leave me a voicemail link in the show notes and asking me a listener question. I will pick one lucky hurdler to win this giveaway on this coming Friday. Make sure you're following along on social. It's at Hurdle Podcast. I'm over at Emily Abadi. And with that, let's get to hurdling. Today, I am sitting down with Kamiko Love, known to her over 665,000 Instagram followers and many more as the budget mom. How are you doing today? I'm doing really good. I'm so excited to have you on the show. I wanted to connect with someone that, man... I don't know. I mean, I feel like just to say that you're good with money would be <laughs> would be an understatement. So someone that can help educate us on finances and everything that goes hand in hand with that, especially because tax day is upon us. Yes. Yes, it is. Got a little <laughs> bit of an extension, but not too much. Not too much. So tell me, tell the hurdlers a little bit before we get into some of your best practice tips for financial wellness. Talk to me a little bit about how you got so interested in finance, in money, and ultimately got to this place where you're educating millions of people all around the world about it on the regular. 
Well, really, it started from my own struggles with money management. It came from a place of personal experience. Um, Really, what happened to me was I went through a divorce. I went from having two incomes down to one. And it was also, you know, my struggle with finding my identity again, not just as a wife or as a mom, but as an individual, as a woman. Um, And I had to learn how to tackle my finances because I knew that ultimately I could not provide the life I needed to for my son as a single parent. I didn't know anything about finances or money. And it's funny because I actually graduated with a finance degree. I worked nine years in the finance industry with a financial advisor, all around investments, but I had no clue about personal finance. And so I started sharing my journey and really it was out of desperation to connect with other single moms who felt like I did, who I could go to and ask questions and talk about my thoughts and money fears without feeling judged or feeling like I was a bad mom because I didn't know how to budget, say, for back to school supplies for my kiddo. So when I started sharing my journey, this amazing community was was built. And that's really how I became the budget mom. (laughs) Well, it is pretty special, especially because I think so many people can feel alone, like you said, in their financial struggles, right? It's like, it's one of those taboo topics, like, sex. I'm sure you hear that analogy all of the time, but you, you approached this new chapter of learning, like you indicated with a fair amount of debt. Talk to me about how you managed to pay that off. Yeah. So my, that's what the whole journey started with learn trying to pay off all of my debt so I can find some type of financial stability in my life. Um, I ended up paying off my debt by there's a lot of ways. There's a lot of reasons why I paid off my debt, but mainly it was self-examination and it was more importantly, I think above self-examination was asking the hard questions and being able to honestly answer myself. Um, it was looking at not just paying off my debt, but why the heck was I in debt in the first place? What got me to this moment, to this point of desperation where I couldn't even hardly put food on the table for my child? Um, So it was awareness, number one. And then it was implementing and staying dedicated to a plan. I had to fight every day for an emotional purpose. And what I mean by that is every day I had to wake up and know exactly what I wanted to accomplish with, with my money and tackle it in little steps at a time. Wow. And we're not just talking about like, you know, a small amount of debt either. I think I read that it was something close to $80,000. Yes, that's correct. Wow. Okay. So what an impressive feat for you to come back from that, which now makes me not surprised at all that you have become such an expert in this area. So now what we're talking about today, talking about financial wellness, as I said, something that you know plenty about. Before we get going, really, why don't we kind of like establish a broad definition for what financial wellness really is. So really, when people think about financial wellness, it's really easy to gravitate towards numbers, right? Our income, how much money we have saved in the bank, how much money we have saved for retirement. But really, wellness does not have anything to do with the numbers. It's more about the confidence, clarity, and stability that we feel with our money. The opposite of financial wellness is always being in a state of feeling scared or anxious or nervous or uncomfortable with our money. 
Um, so really it's how we feel about ourselves and about the money that we have and in in our future goals. Okay. So now I know we're going to go through seven different best practice strategies to have better financial wellness. And our first one, knowing your starting place. Talk to me a little bit about that. This comes down to the self-examination. It can be really hard to look at your overall debt balances and get over just paying the minimum payments. So this is what I mean by knowing your starting place. It's knowing exactly where you stand with your overall debt, where you stand with your savings, where you stand as far as your spending, you have to know the clear starting point at which you are beginning this journey in order to grow and make progress. So that's like one of the first little hurdles and that can be really scary. Oh, for sure. And I mean, I think to your point here, this can be so applicable to so many things in our lives, right? Like when we want to make a change, you have to confront where it is that you're at so that you can actually move forward with changing what's happening in this moment. Right, exactly. And like I said, you know, it's all about that self-examination mode and really looking at your financial journey as a financial transformation, one that has a starting point. I love that. I love that. Now, the next tip that we're going to talk through here, where is your money going, tracking your spending? This reminds me of keeping a a food journal when you're trying to examine a little bit about what you're putting into your body and why, why am I not feeling so good? It's the same thing with your money. It really is. It's all about being able to make informed decisions and take that knowledge to take action. So the worst thing that we can do is to go out and do take all this action and put in all this effort if we don't have a clear understanding of where our money is going. Because what happens is we could be throwing our money at things that we don't value, that doesn't bring us joy, things that don't align with our financial goals. So we just did all this work without truly understanding where our dollars are going. I think that tracking your spending is by far the most critical step when you are creating a budget or a financial plan. That's a really good takeaway. And I think oftentimes when you take the time to stop and and keep a food diary, you don't realize what it is that you're putting into your body until you're tasked with keeping track of all of it. So same goes with your spending, right? It's like you might not notice even that you're spending, you know, three to four dollars five times a week on a coffee. It's just kind of like second nature. It's become part of your practice. But when you stop and look at your spending and see what all this money is going to and see how it adds up, it makes such a big difference. It's a huge difference. I call it the slap in the face moment. It's that moment where you're like, oh my gosh, I just spent $1,000 this month on new clothes and I don't even value like clothing. I would rather travel than spend all this money on clothes. And so it's just a big eye opener. Oh, for sure. For sure. So that brings us to your next recommendation here. Don't just create a budget, implement one. Talk to me about that. So One of the number one mistakes that I see with people who are creating budgets in their lives is that they're creating their budget around what they want to spend, not what they're realistically spending. This is the difference between a budget that works and one that does not. The only way to have a successful budget in your life that you can truly stick to is if you come from a place that's realistic. 
Now, it may not be a place that you're happy about, but that's the starting point is what you are truly spending. And then you can tweak and perfect as you go along. It's the number one reason why I tell people, hey, if you're spending $1,000 a month on food and you don't like that, don't just cut your grocery budget to $500 because that's a huge jump to go from 1,000 to 500. Do it in small, incremental, achievable steps that you can dwindle down and get to the budget that, that you want, but it also works for you. This is like going back to that idea of setting smart goals. I mean, obviously smart goals can be in any subject, any topic area, but here you're really homing in on making sure that your financial goals are specific. They are measurable, attainable, relevant, and time bound. These are all very central to, it seems like what you're getting at here. Yes, exactly. Okay. So now let's talk a little bit about emergencies. All of us, I think, have experienced, especially during the the pandemic, how important savings really is. And even small businesses not being prepared with enough cash flow to keep up with the expenses in our lives. So having an emergency fund is critical because the last thing that we want to do is derail our financial transformation and progression with something that unexpected that pops up. So we really need to make sure that we focus on preparing for the unexpected. Now, preparing for the expected and the plan is a different story, but really what's critical is the unexpected expenses or life events that pop up. So having an emergency fund, I would say three to six months worth of necessary living expenses saved. That way we are prepared in the moments that we need it, because let's be honest, real life is going to happen. If if it's not this pandemic, then it's going to be something else in the future. And the best way to find stability in our lives is to give ourselves options on when we need them. Such a good tip. And you said three to six months of living expenses. So Mm -hmm. why don't we just get a little bit more specific on what that might entail? Because someone might hear that and think, okay, just like three months rent, but it's bigger than that, right? It really is. Now, how what quote unquote living expenses, these are your necessities live. It's your rent, it's your food, it's transportation to get to your guaranteed paycheck that you're going to receive. It's to put, you know, clothes on your children's back so they can go to school. So those are my necessities for living, but my emergency fund is very different. I want to continue the same lifestyle that I have now, say if I lose my income. So my emergency fund is funded with enough money to include, you know, oh, I'm super tired tonight. I don't feel like cooking. Crap happens. Life happens. I'm going to eat out. You know, oh, my my son was invited to a birthday party this month. I have it in my emergency. So it's those type of things. So essentially... Mine is what's in my budget right now, three to six months worth, but it depends on the person as well and what you're comfortable with. But I would say the bare minimum is those essential living costs, three to six months worth. I do want to 
touch back for a second on the idea of a budget. I think that so often we hear like you should make a budget and it just feels super overwhelming. I know that um, I've been to your website. I know that you have some great tools there, but talk to me about like if you had to offer one, the biggest tip to someone who's like starting from scratch with a budget, what would that be? I think the, gosh, I have so many tips. Um, the biggest tip <laughs> would be to remember that your budget is an organizational tool. It's not an implementation tool. And what I mean by that is you have to do all the hard work of knowing how you're going to tack your, tack your debt what priorities your savings goals are, and ordering them in order of importance, knowing where your income is coming in and where it's coming from, where are your expenses going out. You have to do all that hard work before you put numbers on a piece of paper because it's all of that hard work that's going to answer your questions when you get to creating a budget. What are my budget categories? What should I assign to my, for my budget limits? What debt do I tackle first? oh, I came into some extra income. Where does it need to go? If you do all the hard work, then your, your budget can be the tool, your roadmap on where you need to throw your money so you can assure that it's going to the places that matter most to you. Smart, smart. And I think again, you're talking personalization, right? It's like, yes, you can go to a website and get a tool that can be super helpful, but then to implement that into your life, you need to, we're going to keep going back to this theme, be honest and upfront about where you're at so that you can be smart about where you're going. So really what I learned on my financial transformation, especially around the world of retirement, is it was really easy to detach myself from my future self. It was very easy for me to say and look at it like, well, that's a really long ways away. I can't relate to that individual. But what I realized is, is that we are basically preparing and saving and investing for retirement now, this younger version of myself, so I can give a paycheck to the older version of myself. And that's the way I like to look at it as retirement. I am taking care of me in the future. Um, and that made it a little bit more easier, I think, for tucking away money when sometimes it can feel like, well, I'm not going to be able to access this for a very long time. I have a really long time, so what's the point? So that's what I mean by taking care of yourself in the, fu in the future. And I always recommend the earlier that you can start, obviously, the better, right? We have compound interest on our side when it comes to saving and investing for retirement. It's the number one reason I recommend that even if you have debt, now that's the number one question I get, Miko, should I invest for retirement even though I have debt? Yes and no. You should invest and save for retirement up to the employer match that you are given. Anything outside of that can go toward your higher interest debt. But the worst thing that we can do is not only leave free money on the table, but really if you think about an employer match, that's your pay for what you do. That's your contribution for the value you bring to your empl employer. You should take it. It's there. They're offering it to you. Um, so that's my only one exception when you have debt and if you're wanting to invest for retirement. Always do up to what your employer is willing to match. 
Now, what if you're a contract worker? I mean, I know that I don't have one boss. So what do you say to someone who is working off of 1099s, for example? Right. So I always say, hey, if you can at least do, you know, this is speaking, if you have debt, try to do at least 7%. Start Mm. there. Give yourself a realistic number and give yourself some grace. And remember that $50 a month is better than nothing. So if you're putting in $50 a month and you say to yourself, well, you know what, geez, that person or that person is doing like 15% of their income. That's okay. Everyone has to start somewhere and your realistic starting place is at $50 a month. And that's still taking action, which I still consider a win. Now, when you say like 7% or 15% of your of your paycheck or your annual income, um, for those that may not be saving just yet, when you say putting that aside, are you putting that into a bank account? Are you putting that into an IRA? What are you doing with that? Well, you can put it into your employer-sponsored retirement account that could look like a 401k. If you're mm-hmm. self-employed, that could look like a Roth IRA that you are managing on your own through a a platform like Fidelity or Vanguard or TD Ameritrade or Schwab. Um, Mm -hmm. So it could be any of those things. When I say invest, I'm usually talking about your retirement. Remember, taking, preparing to take care of ourselves. You can also invest outside of retirement, but I really do think that's a later goal. We need to be focusing on our retirement goals first. And also, like I said, your emergency savings, which can be in your checking or in your savings account or in like a high yield savings account. Taking a break from today's episode to talk to you about my new sponsor at Super Coffee. Now you know that I take my caffeinating seriously. I am, oh oh my goodness, a caffeine fiend within moderation, of course. I love myself a little espresso first thing in the morning, and there is nothing that tastes better to me when I'm in my midday slump than a nice sip of java. And this is where Super Coffee comes in. They have a ton of different offerings, ranging from their coffee grounds, which I make with my chemist to their pre-made options in so many delicious flavors from mocha and blueberry latte to vanilla and caramel. They come packed with what they refer to as super ingredients. I'm talking monk fruit, which is a naturally occurring sugar-free, carb-free sweetener and milk protein isolate, which is a high quality protein that helps build strength and keep you feeling full to, of course, MCT oil, which is extracted from raw coconuts, a healthy fat that supports brain function and increases your focus. Now, you know me, of course, I'm telling you all this because I've got a great deal for you. Head on over to drinksupercoffee.com slash hurdle or use the code hurdle at checkout to get 25% off your entire first purchase. The best part, Super Coffee has a 60-day money-back guarantee, meaning if you don't love it, you get your money back. No questions asked. Again, head on over to drinksupercoffee.com slash hurdle or use code hurdle at checkout to get 25% off your entire first purchase today.
I know our second to last tip here, having a clear plan to pay off debt and save for financial goals. Let's talk for a second about setting financial goals. Any best practice tip that you can offer to someone who's maybe never really set a financial goal before? Yes. And like, I love when you talked about smart goals because I am the smart goal person. I do it in every (laughs) aspect of my life, not just for my finances. I'm a huge believer that they have to be descriptive and they have to be specific. If you come out and say, Miko, I want to buy a new car. Well, that's a fantastic goal, but we didn't give a lot of detail to that goal. When do you want to buy the car? Why do you want to buy the car? How much can you realistically save to buy the car, which is going to determine maybe what type of car you get? What are the values around the car? Are you looking for dependability? What are you looking for? Are you looking for size of vehicle? Maybe your family has grown. So descriptive goals come first. The next important thing that comes with financial goals is you have to prioritize them in order of importance. This is really critical because it answers the question, Miko, what do I do next? I paid off my debt. What now? Right? Or Miko, I got a bonus from work. Where do I do with it? I got a a third paycheck this month. Where does it go? Well, if you prioritize your goals in order of importance, you know exactly the game plan on where your money needs to go when you have extra income. Right, right. So I think that some people probably struggle with like prioritizing which goal comes first, right? Or which thing is the most important. It's like, yeah, my retirement's important, but so is like my mental health. And like sometimes I want to think about putting money into an account for X and then money into a different account for Y. Something that I've started to to exercise is actually having different bank accounts for different goals. So I have, and I've talked about this on the show before, but I have like an Italy account that's just like waiting for me to go to Italy whenever I can go back there. I obviously have a, um, I, as a contractor, I have a Roth IRA. Like, so I have different Mm -hmm. things that I'm mindful of what I'm contributing to them. But I think that again, it's hard to make that priority list when you're like, there's just so many things I want to do. Yeah. Let me give you my biggest tips with that. So that's so true. Miko, how do I save for things or have financial goals when everything seems this important? Everything seems equally important. Here is my number one tip. Go at your financial goals with trade-offs. Understanding that if you prioritize one goal over another, you're essentially just, you're making the conscious decision to spend your money one way instead of another. What are you gaining and what are you losing? So when you, when you have a clear picture of your trade-offs, it might become clear to some individual what's really most important when we get down to the nitty gritty. But like you said, it's also important. I'm a huge believer and recommend that people have a dedicated purpose for the money that they're saving or that they're investing. Like you, I have 15 different savings accounts. Yes, I do. I have, and that's, you know, I'm debt free. So my goals might look a little bit different than others. But I did that so when I go and spend money for the Disneyland trip for my son and I go to spend it on, say, a new jacket, I know and it's clear I am giving up part or a lot more time of me saving for that goal for my Disneyland trip with my kiddo to get a purse. 
am I okay with that? Well, then, mm. then you get to ha- make that personal decision on what you're okay with and what you're not by, but dedicating your savings goals gives you that clear trade-off. And I love your last tip here for better financial wellness. Recognize your earning potential. I think this is something that a lot of people do not do at all, especially for those that may, you know, feel really satisfied with their mm-hmm. uh, regular day job. If you happen to be, you know, a full-time employee, you don't often take a step back and ask yourself, what else could I be doing to, you know, make some sort of additional revenue stream? So talk to me a little bit about this last tip right here. Yeah. So for a really long time, I restricted myself basically by my regular paycheck. I told myself, this is how much I earn and this is what it is. And what I earn is dictated by what my boss decides to give me. And it just is what it is, right? It wasn't until after my divorce and I was forced to come up with different ways to pay off my debt. I knew that if I wanted to be debt-free, my income that I was making was not going to cut it. I was literally pressured into finding additional income streams. What that looked like for me was getting out of that scarcity mindset and thinking to myself, you know what? I am capable of earning money outside of my day job. I have that value. I have the skills and knowledge to learn a new skill. I can do that. And that's what I did. I had a passion and love for photography. I taught myself how to do real estate photography. And in fact, that's how I made my first extra debt payment ever was from side income that I made from taking pictures of houses. You know, I I sold my own artwork for a long period of time. Um, So when I say you have to learn, you have to learn and, and recognize the opportunities when they present themselves for you to make more money. And my biggest thing with this is if you feel like any skills, hobbies, or passions that you're currently doing will not bring value to others, that they're not worth paying for, that's how you feel. But I guarantee that people will value and there is a market. Like I get a lot of people that say, when we go, you know, I make these handmade bags, but no one's going to want them. Well, you don't know that. Don't undervalue yourself. And mm. so that that's really what I'm talking about here is recognizing the opportunity and your true growth potential when it comes to your income. I think also like making sure that however you could make money is something that actually feels really purposeful for mm-hmm. you as well. Something that brings you joy. If you're just chasing dollars and that's, you know, a guaranteed recipe to burn out rather quickly. Right. Exactly. You know, that's how I started the budget mom. It was out of true passion and a sense of purpose. Like I felt like I was put on this earth to share this knowledge and what I learned to help other people. And it was that passion that got me through some of the hardest moments on my business journey. Um, And so I definitely think passion plays a role um, because you ultimately get to decide, which is wonderful. Aside from paying off nearly $80,000 worth of debt, what would you say has has been one of the biggest financial wins for you over the last handful of years? Yeah. So, you know, it's funny. Um, you know, my, my story, I just, this last year, I hit one of the biggest goals that I had, and that was to buy my dream home with cash. 
And I got to reveal that to my kiddo, which I think to me that moment outside of the goal was probably the most rewarding was seeing the look in tears, just streaming down his face, just so happy that I was able to, you know, hit this goal. And because he was there with me when I was working through this goal, my son was with me on the whole journey. That was a huge milestone. But when I look back at it, I think that one of the most rewarding things was all the skills and knowledge that I've learned along the way that I'm now able to implement into the into the future and pass down to my child. You were talking about changing our family story, generational wealth, right? And it starts with knowledge. And I'm passing that down onto my kiddo, which will pass that down to his kids and so forth and so on. I think that for me, knowing that is the most rewarding. As we stated earlier, aside from being a little bit taboo to talk about money, money can definitely be something that causes a lot of anxiety for people. So do you have any you know, recommendations or thoughts when it comes to taming the anxiety that can go hand in hand with our finances? Absolutely. With that, support is number one. It's the reason I started The Budget Mom, community, someone to talk to. And, you know, I have a wonderful private Facebook group that's over 100,000 amazing individuals, mostly women who are on this journey to get better with managing their finances. And even if it's a friend or maybe it's a parent or a sibling, but community and support is key. You can't hold this in and you don't have to do it alone. I felt alone for a very long time and it was very scary. And I got into some moments of desperation where I didn't think I was going to come out. And so you don't have to do alone. Find a community, even even if that's online, even if that's one person, that's going to help a lot. My next recommendation is don't focus on all of the things that you feel like you have to do. Create a plan of attack for your debt, budget, save, save for retirement, investment. You don't, don't worry about, about all that. Focus with one thing at a time. And that's knowing your starting place. I think once you take that first initial step, a lot of that anxiety and stress goes away because all of a sudden you're aware of the mountain you need to climb. I always say the unknown is so much worse than knowing. The unknown is what causes fear and anxiety. So when we know, then we can take steps to grow and to change and to transform. And so those are my two biggest recommendations. And again, releasing this around April 15th tax Mm -hmm. season. A lot of people when doing their taxes talk about anxiety, either have to pay money that maybe they weren't prepared for or could be getting back some money that they didn't expect. So for either of those circumstances, what would you, what do you tell people when they're like, oh shoot, this time of year, right? Right. So my biggest thing is always try to plan ahead. Now I know with your taxes, sometimes you're not going to know exactly, right? You're not going to know the exact dollar amount, but you have a good idea if you're going to owe or if you're going to receive. Now, what I say when you, if you're going to receive money back, people ask me, what do I do with my tax return? 
go back to your listed financial goals. Take care if you're behind on bills, take care of your bills. Next, make sure you have that emergency fund established. And then with the rest of the money, I I would say throw it out your number one financial goal, whether that's paying off debt or investing or saving for a specific financial goal. If you owe money, this is the great time, like I said, if especially if you're completely blindsided and you had no idea you were going to owe money, this is why that emergency fund is so important. Financial options, the freedom to choose. It's the worst feeling in the world to be put up in the, into a corner and feel like the only option you have is to use debt or to use a credit card. You want to give yourself cash options to prepare. And so also, you know, make sure that when you're doing your taxes to not only one, keep those documents for seven years. I have a lot of people who say, well, I don't like they just shred them. They're just gone. So organization plays a huge key into doing your taxes. The more that you're organized, the less your anxiety you're going to feel. It really is truly organizing and finances go hand in hand. Those are some good recommendations. What are you excited about right now? What are you working on right now? So we are working on a really ginormous uh, project. It's the biggest project in my business's history, my very first course. And I'm going all out. Uh, So this course I'm hoping to release at the end of this year. And then I have a brand new book that's going to be published and released um, in the beginning of next year. And that's something that I've poured my heart and soul into over the pandemic period this last year. And I'm absolutely excited for it to change lives. I love to hear it. We love to hear it. We love seeing big things. I'll make sure to link out to all of your platforms in the show notes. Give me the information, Kamiko, on where the Hurdle community can follow along with you and keep up with you. You can find me. I am on every single day on Instagram, just at the budget mom. You can find me on Instagram. We have wonderful step-by-step informational videos on YouTube. Also at the budget mom. We're also on Facebook, mainly just search for the budget mom. You'll find us on all the social platforms. On all the things, on all the things I'm over at Emily Abadi and at hurdle podcast, another hurdle conquered. Catch you guys next time. <laughs>